0: Welcome to Dragon Talk. I'm going to keep singing it so that it gets our D&D musical uh, uh, out there. I'm Greg Tito and I'm joined by Shelley Mathenemble. Woo! Yeah! Yes! How is it going? So good! Yeah! Yeah! Talking like a dragon! Snapping into a dragon gym! I don't know what that means, but it makes sense. Uh, I can't think of a good segue. dragon gym! (laughs) i pumped up! Yeah! Yeah! Randy yeah. Savage I know. I wish this was an interview with Joe Manganello because then I could just segue right into right. that. But it's not. It's an interview today on this episode of Dragon Talk with Wolfgang Bauer and Anna B. Meyer. Uh, She creates a lot of uh, maps for uh, Cobalt Press and as well as been doing it for years. She's got so many great stories to tell about uh, creating cartography and maps and the different layers that she does to create them.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: It was a fascinating interview. It really was. But it's from three months ago. Just want to make sure everyone knows we recorded this uh, in April, actually on April 16th. Uh, and, uh, we're playing it, uh, here in June, uh, with this fun timeless. intro. This is timeless. It was a timeless interview. Yes. Uh, Wolfgang, uh, of course, friend of the show, but on a couple of times, uh, talks about a lot of the fun stuff that's going on with, uh, Cobalt Press and all yep. that. So we're excited about, uh, their products. So go check those out at, uh, CobaltPress.com, of course. And he, you know, we'll, we'll, plug it more during the interview. Uh, but yeah, just want to yeah. make sure everyone knows that they do great work and, uh, we're excited about them.
1: And uh, even though it was a long, it was three months ago. Normally, I can't remember things that happened an hour ago. I remember this interview.
0: It was a good one. I
1: really liked her. Yeah, she's very, very interesting. She is, and I'm glad to see that she's getting lots of
0: attention. Absolutely, and yeah. And if you haven't seen this interview on uh, on video form, uh, go to Twitch.tv/DND yes. or our YouTube channel. Uh, it is up there. She did show uh, some awesome yeah. foam core. Uh, printouts of yep. her maps in full color yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, they were both here so in the office. So it was great stuff. Nice. Yes, uh, and while you're there, go check out what's going on with the stream of many eyes. What we have been putting on? up all of the content from that weekend, June first, second, oh, we'll and third in L.A. You can watch all that because your voice is not on it. I don't believe. I
1: wasn't, yeah. Exactly. I wasn't there. I'm nowhere on camera.
0: It's true. So, so you can you safe, can consume all that a, fun it's stuff. It's a safe space for me. It's a safe space. But we introduced lots of new streaming groups. Uh, Rivals of Waterdeep uh, were an yeah. awesome group uh, from Chicago. They had their first session streamed live okay. during the stream of Many Eyes. Were they nervous? They were a little nervous but they were more excited than ever, anything cool. else. Yeah. Uh, but they had been streaming live uh, on Sundays. Uh, so from... From Chicago itself, so go check that out. It's awesome. ten a.m. Pacific time on Sundays, so a bit early, but uh, all of the content. What else
1: are you going to do? It ten a.m. on do? a drink, Sunday.
0: Drink your coffee, drink your tea, and drink uh,
1: your mimosas. Watch
0: some awesome uh, role players uh, come together. They they just they just seem like this great group of friends yep. uh, now, and it's it's crazy that they just, you know they uh, they they've just gotten together in the last few months. So it's good stuff.
1: It was meant to be. It was
0: meant to be. Uh, so yeah you can check out that there's also two episodes of Dice Camera Action uh, with Chris Perkins and the yes. Waffle Crew uh, from the together. Stream of Many Eyes all together in costume, in costume. Uh, with two special guests where's Danny Hartel of course was uh, uh, Danny. reprising her role a little bit as a twin of Zandala uh, so she got to use the same costume, which made it a lot easier. Yep, uh, nice. and then they also had Travis McElroy from the Adventure Zone on uh, on Sunday, and then he that came awesome. to come back uh, for the uh, subsequent episode, too. So that was pretty cool. Cool, yeah, lots of fun stuff. Go check it out. And that was all in service of getting out the Waterdeep Dragon Heist storyline. Uh, it is coming out on September 9th in game stores everywhere. Uh, it'll be on September 18th uh, everywhere else. It is an urban adventure set in the city of Waterdeep. You have to use your diplomacy, your deception, your stealth, uh, non-combat skills really to find out what is happening in the city and where the big hoard of gold is hid. Whoa. Lots of puzzles, lots of things going on. We've lots talked about cool it. Lots of cool art too. Lots of really cool yep. art, yeah. Um, and even if you don't run that, you know, the the, the treasure heist story – Um, there is just a wealth of information about the city of Waterdeep in general as well. So you can kind of use it like a gazetteer for the city. Uh, And in addition, a lot of stuff about just running fantasy adventures in a city environment. You know, we haven't, we've done like, you know, uh dungeons and and dragons and uh, uh uh you know d- storm giants and you know zombie dinosaurs in the jungles. So but it's nice to go back to like an actual like city feel uh for this. I love yes. it. Yes really Water in Waterdeep. In Waterdeep itself.
1: Love.
0: Right. And then you got Dungeon of the Mad Mage coming out uh a couple months after that in November, uh which details all about a mega dungeon below mega the city of Waterdeep. Yes, many, many levels, all run by Hallister Black Cloak, the evil mad mage, uh, eponymous mad mage.
1: Why is he so mad?
0: You know, he stubbed his toe, like, Ow. years ago. I feel And that. he'd not gone over it. No. Yeah. So he's just like, Aah! Like, you know how you get that, like, you
1: dang it! Yes. Like, he's been
0: just, he's been that way.
1: It happened. Right. Forever. All the time. Can you imagine that? What kind of hell is worse than that? Just a constant stubbed toe. I mean. You just keep doing
0: it. There's nine hells that are worse than that, I guess, but.
1: Maybe this is the 10th. <laughs> we don't
0: know.
1: We don't know. Have you been to all the Nine I'd, Hells?
0: Maybe, maybe the end of the Undermountain Dungeon is you know an actual portal to the Nine Hells.
1: Maybe I just gave don't Chris Perkins an idea for a future project.
0: Spoiler alert. Here ten it is. Hells. This is where we get it. ten Hells. <laughs> nine Hells are great. Have you thought of 11 Hells?
1: Ours go to it 11. It might be
0: cool. And in fact, I think I actually even made that joke. uh Two Wolfgang Bauer in this, in fact, interview because I believe in Midgard there is 11 hells. Oh, I, think I, we could did be, act- I think I actually made that joke, right? I think we did. So this is our brain from three months Whoa. ago coming back to this interview.
1: That is a wonderful thread of consistency.
0: That's what we <laughs> strive for here at Dragon Talk We're is super consistent. threads of consistency.
1: <laughs> there are threads everywhere.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh, but we also have an awesome lore segment uh, on planar
1: contracts.
0: What? What are these contracts that you might write with these devils of the nine hells or the eleven hells, as the case may be? Make sure
1: you have somebody reviewing those.
0: It's true. And I have Chris Perkins reviewing them uh, right Ooh, about now. I w- okay. Yeah. No, Do you I think he'd be good for, for that? Stuff. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, let's listen and find out. Bing, bong, bing, bong, ding, dong, ding, dong. Welcome to another Lore You Should Know segment. My name is Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. And on this lore, you should know, we are going to delve into a specific bit of Dungeons & Dragons lore for uh, use around your table or just for funzos. Today, this is the funnest topic I think we've ever tried to capture, which is planar contracts. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Everyone loves the the fine writing at the end of the contracts (laughs) and uh, (laughs) how to make sure you skim it and sign, you know, click the button that says, you know, end user license agreement so that you can use – the app yes. that's basically what these things are, but uh, uh, with planar
2: beings Pri- yes, um, well, of all the creatures most likely to engage or participate in a planar contract process, um, devils are mm. first are, are the sort of lords mm. of planar contracts, and they use them primarily to get their hands on souls. But you can have a planar contract between any two parties. And with any, you know, anything can be traded through a planar contract. What's but by th- and large, devils are no, are basically seen as the masters of the planar contract.
0: Right. What's the What's the definition that we're putting on this for, for planar contracts? Just a a, a, a contract or yeah. agreement with a being from the planes.
2: That's correct. Yeah, that's that's precisely what it is. It is usually a a document or it, some sort of document. Uh, inscribed and bound by magic between two planar beings or a mortal and a planar being. Mm-hmm. And the nature, it, it, it takes sort of the conventional contracts to a uh, bit of a higher level and sort of a higher level of enforcement and the stakes are almost always greater as well. Um,
0: it wouldn't be just be like, oh, I'm going to buy some yams from you for <laughs> 20, 20 gold pieces.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. It's more and like – I'll pay you 10 now and 10 later, that kind of yeah. – you know, Give
0: me all power uh, for these 10 years so that my yes. soul when it dies. If die you're, in if you're
2: tapping into a planar entity for assistance and a lot of people will, wizards will for power, um, kings will for protection. Mm-hmm. Um, if you' if you're, you're going to task a, or if you want to like get a, an army of Yugoloths to fortify your army against an encroaching threat, anything like that, you will be entering into some sort of planar contract. If you're smart <laughs> or, or not. <laughs> right. yeah, you have to be you're, you're smart for setting up the contract. you're smart for setting up a contract that's actually beneficial to you and doesn't carry you know any tricks yeah. or anything embedded in it which is always why you have to read, in any contract, the fine print, or have some solicitor handle it for you. Exactly. Someone you, someone you trust.
0: And it, is it true that most, you know, we were talking about how devils use these uh, uh, the most, is, is that mostly their intention is to try to pull a fast one and, and have the, the, the contract be agreed to in a way that is not beneficial to the party involved? Devils
2: are very interesting. Um, being lawful evil creatures, you know that they're inherently selfish. And tyrannical that they they essentially crave power and elevation and all that kind of thing, and there are devils of different hierarchies in sort of in the hierarchical order all the way from imps all the way up to archdevils. When you make a when you make a deal with a devil, the devil will try to cement that deal in the form of a contract, and the contract is devised to be binding. Um, it's usually signed off by an archdevil uh, to basically make it cosmically binding mm-hmm. and then the terms must be upheld on both sides now a devil is smart enough generally not to make a deal not to give away anything it can't afford mm. so a devil won't trade you won't give you the ability to uh, become you know won't grant you ageless beauty for instance unless it actually has a means of doing so so you can usually count on what the devil is offering you is actually something it can fulfill. If it doesn't have that ability itself, it will know where to get it or get the thing that will give you what you need. Right. Um, and the reason is um, because the devil never wants to be caught breaking a contract. Their lawful evil nature kind of forbids it in themselves. Mm-hmm. But also it's just bad for the reputation of them and the nine hells. Because devils
0: have such a great reputation. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> they got to <Well>, preserve that. <laughs> right. I mean
2: if you're making a deal with a devil, chances are you can't get what you need anywhere else. Right. And the devil knows that. Um, and a devil will go to great lengths to, to get it for you. And often there will be terms built in like timelines and things like that. So if it, even if an imp can't grant you eternal youth, if it talks with its superiors and things that can actually get it for you, it will negotiate or or set up a deal on behalf of somebody else and give you what you need mm-hmm. in the certain span of time. And once it does, you're now bound by whatever the agreement you've made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that might be giving up your voice. It might be giving up your family. It might be giving up your ancestral home. Um, devils want all kinds of crazy things. Ultimately, they want souls, but they'll take other things as well.
0: Now, do you... Would they want those things in addition to your soul?
2: Often people don't want to trade their souls um, right away. Oh, okay. So that's like
0: that's the way of raising the stakes.
2: Yeah, it's a way of saying we're we're really good at this, and you actually want to deal with us. So the first thing they might ask for is you know we want your firstborn. Say easy peasy, easy peasy. (laughs) Um, And you're like ah whatever I don't care about my firstborn. (laughs) They're not even Uh, born uh, yet. I don't even like them. Whatever. Or they might say you know we want gold. Right. That's probably more reasonable. That, that Your advent- firstborn gold. Yeah. Adventurers are more likely to give up gold than their firstborn or their soul. That's true. So they'll say, you know, we'll give you this thing that you need. You give us 10,000 gold pieces. So the adventurer goes off on adventures, amasses 10,000 gold pieces so it can afford this deal. The deal is made. Both sides get exactly what they asked for. They're happy. So the next time mm-hmm. the character comes, they'll go to the devils because they know they're going to get what they asked for for the price that they paid. But that's a slippery slope, obviously. And uh, you're probably more powerful at this point, so you're dealing with a more powerful devil. Your need might be greater. Your need is greater. And so now they got their hooks in you, see? Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. And eventually, you may not even realize that you're giving up your soul. Uh, They may be turning you evil just by virtue of what you're asking for and what they're willing to give you. Oh. And as soon as your alignment changes, of course, then they have you. right. So, you didn't even have to technically contract out your soul; they got it from you through their deal. Just by playing
0: through your exactly. greed, your avarice, your exactly. Your, your more and you look
2: back things. on your career and say, "What happened?" And you're like, "Well, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you made this deal here. You made here, these choices. This here. You gave up your ancestral lens, which meant that devils were able to install a dictator over them. That dictator turned it into a minor tyranny. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things that you sort of let go basically twisted you." Um, and turned you into the evil malefactor that you've unknowingly become. Right. That's how devils win. Now, not all planar contracts are orchestrated by devils. That's true. There are other beings, typically lawful ones, who will engage in contracts. Um, ultimately, basically, for the purpose of ensuring that they get what they want. Mm. And the penalties for not fulfilling the contracts are often divinely enforced. In the case of devils, Asmodeus can basically enforce a signed contract. You can hold it up and say, you signed this, you have to give me what I want or bad things are going to happen to you. Uh, celestial beings can have contracts as well with basically the same thing. You know, If you want to get enter the pearly gates or whatever or if you want um, protection, goods protection in your realm, mm-hmm. you better enforce the terms of the contract you've set with us. We're not going to be jerks about it, but this a deal is a deal. Huh.
0: I, I never really... Think of lawful, good yeah. angels entering into those kind of duties. So you can imagine
2: a scenario, for instance, where there is an angelic being who basically has served as a sworn defender of the throne. Mm-hmm. And the old king or queen dies and maybe one of the characters is an heir
0: mm-hmm.
3: to
2: the kingdom um, or is working for somebody, working closely with somebody who is. you know, That angel might say, well, under the terms of our celestial contract, I am free to leave now. But if you want me to stay, we'll have to extend the terms and here they are.
0: Right. And here's my demands. And now. here are
2: my demands and all that kind of thing. And they're not they're not crazy, they're not evil, they're not anything like that, but it's it's a it's a thing you have to set up or yeah. deal with. Yeah. And if you decide to let it go or you don't want to pay up or do all the things that the previous king king or queen did to keep this angel fighting for the kingdom, and that angel leaves, you'll have to deal with the consequences of that mm-hmm. broken or ended contract. If you wish to extend it, you might actually have to go somewhere to renew the contract or do something to renew the contract. Like you have to basically prove to the angel that you are worthy of mm. the contract extension and for that you have to save like a, a unicorn who's being who's been captured in a forest or – Help this other realm that's currently under siege by an hobgoblin warlord, or, or something to basically make the angel say, "You are deserving of my protection."
0: Right, and those are the kind you're of terms a good that
2: you're asking for. So that's a different kind of contract, but equally important and equally enforceable on a. Cosmic level.
0: I love how there's like at least fifteen adventure hooks in the last five minutes of what you've been talking about. And
2: I would be remiss if I didn't talk about hags.
0: Yes, they have. Um, They have a lot of binding contracts. Yes,
2: yes, they do as well. You can get into an agreement with a hag, trade your voice for this, or you know, uh, trade your beauty for that. They often want things that you are not. You
0: the, mentioned The Little Mermaid basically like three times Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. That is such a yeah. great, perfect story. Exactly. Yeah.
2: That, yeah. that, that whole the, – the Ursula the Sea Witch kind of thing. Yeah. She is in many ways like – she behaves like a D&D hag does. Absolutely. Um, and um, we've talked about hags before and we'll talk about hags again. But they're masters of these sort of contracts. And um, –
0: uh, but would, they, would that be a – I mean I guess there are hags in the fairy uh, uh, yes. you know, realms. But yes. that would make them a planar
2: contract for that reason. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, there are uh, hags who are fae. There are hags like night hags who mm-hmm. are actually fiends. Right. Um, and they, they have contracts as well. And what they usually get out of their contracts are souls that they convert into larvae, um, these worm-like creatures that they sell to other fiends, and to liches, and to other people.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, so, There's a market for it. Exactly. There are markets for contracts everywhere, and you can't go to a place like Sigil or the City of Brass and not see contract negotiations happening all the time between genies, between hags, between celestials, between fiends. They're absolutely prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, the features of a planar contract, the physical features, can vary wildly. A devil might have you sign a piece of... Parchment made out of flesh. A hag might do the same. A celestial probably won't have you do that, per mm. se. Um, Sign my wing. It, yeah. <laughs> there the materials that can be used for a contract signing are are as varied as one's imagination can fathom. Um, there isn't a single in d there isn't a single substance that you use for all contracts in the multiverse. There isn't a single kind of ink you use, nothing like that. It varies. But you do need to sign your name, essentially. Like that's the there is one. a power to that. That is a recurring thing. You are signing your 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 name, and even if you just make up a false name, you know, um, just the act of you magically signing, Sundar Super He Man, um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You've you've basically done the act. You've you've sort of signed this, and regardless of what it actually says on the paper, that's you. Right, because um, there's, there's it's yes. a magical
0: spell almost. Exactly.
2: It, well, actually, that's a good
0: question. Is there a spell that is part of the signing of a contract?
2: Nothing codified. We kind of hand wave that constantly so that we're not being too constraining. Mm. We don't want to just say it has to be this one spell everywhere.
0: Uh, there is the ceremony spell in uh, Morning King's Tome of Foes, though, which seems
2: yes, sim- so. similar
0: to what you're talking about. Right, yes.
2: Um there are a number of uh, spells that have cropped up in the game. I'm trying to figure out where that spell is. Yeah, is it in Morning Cain's <laughs> Or yeah, maybe it's in Xanathar's. I can't remember. Actually, it might be in Xanathar's. I but think it is anyway. in Xanathar's because that's uh, where all there, the ninth level yes. spells went. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, And there are spells in the game that are like planar binding spells where you're basically binding a fiend for a time to service and then the demon or whatever, leaves. So those spells exist and have existed, but we don't say they're the only things that can be used to create a contract. Right. What we do basically say is, DM, when you use this device to lock characters into a, a contract with another being or entity, those those are generally very hard to break. Um, you know, you need...
0: Like, like, they're actually physically hard? Like, you can't go against them or if you you even go against them but if you
2: if you if you just just dis- if you just decide to dissolve one that's very very hard to do without I divine see. intervention basically right that these things are so cosmically powerful that even most gods can't break
0: them right you can't just say i break with the i break with the and exactly. it's over right and now
2: i'm safe yeah, yeah. no yeah.
0: it's it's not like the uh, the vampire yeah. Uh, yeah. you know calling them into a, a house or not like Correct. it needs much more Ammunition yeah. behind it.
2: Yeah. Once you're, talking planar, once you're talking planar contracts, you're talking serious cosmic mojo that yeah. the gods themselves take a backseat to.
0: So this is a crazy idea and I didn't really think about it until we started talking through this. But like is this idea of these binding contracts, is that what unites the multiverse?
2: Yes. In effect. Um, it's like the multiverse can't exist without the, the ultimate law aspect. In the multiverse, there's there's the two axis. There's the good versus evil axis and then there's the law versus chaos axis and neither of those can really exist without its other half. Mm -hmm. So without without absolute law, which is represented basically by agreements, um, there is no multiverse. And uh, we we sort of say but don't say that Mechonis, which is sort of the, the outer plane of natural law, is like the anchor for all of this. That contracts basically – no matter who makes a contract, it basically gets recorded or imprinted somewhere in Uh Makanis and becomes part of the fabric of that plane and that plane is the cog that kind of keeps the multiverse together.
0: Um, I like that idea a lot because there is like what what yes. idea could possibly unite so many different beings and right. and, yes. and of varying powers yes and it is it is just the yeah. power of agreements the power of of, of binding contracts yes
2: so without binding contracts there is no multiverse all right yeah well that's that's heady stuff but yeah. when you dig down into it it kind of makes sense on a multiversal level that. Something's got to hold the universe together, and these these are the things that do it, which begs the question, you know, what what are some of the biggest planar contracts, you know, out there?
0: Yeah. Um, Do you you have a few, I bet? uh,
2: I'd I'd have to probably dig really down to find out if they've been codified anywhere. Um, But I'm trying to think of a really good example
0: I mean, what about the the Sigil itself? Like, I mean, right? Yes.
2: There's a good example of, uh, so Sigil is this donut-shaped city at the center of the multiverse, uh, perched atop a tall and lonely and infinite spire, and no gods may enter it. Ever. And the Lady of Pain basically is the sentinel that makes sure that that, remains true mm-hmm. that is a cosmic planar agreement a cosmic contract between the gods that they're all bound to yeah. and that they can't break who 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 made that agreement uh, some would say it is the lady of pain herself mm. um, because uh, it is said that she is the she is the, the she will be the last to stand when the multiverse ends and she will be the first to see it reborn and um uh uh but if you were to ask her she would be silent on the issue um, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that always the case but but if if all the gods in the multiverse have basically agreed that they will not tread upon her domain okay. then i think it's safe to say uh, she had a hand in that in, in creating con- that in that g- agreement yes. yeah yeah oh, all right that's pretty fascinating stuff
0: uh, all right. Well, there's a lot to, to unpack here, a lot of mm, ways that yeah. you can use planar contracts in, in your games. Yeah.
2: Um, it's designed to be liberating to the DM and not constraining. So oh, okay. y- you, you, the DM, decide the terms of the contract. I know some DMs who actually like to – you know maybe they're lawyers and they do this for – they can <laughs> it's do this fun. Thing. It's a fun thing, <laughs> drawing up a contract. Um, I've found using contracts in my game to be least burdensome if I just have basically a three-column approach. What does the one party want? List that in one column. What does the other party want? List that in that other column. And what are the consequences for breaking the agreement? Um, and it's usually – if if anybody's going to break the agreement, it's probably going to be the characters. Mm-hmm. Not always, but generally speaking, the characters are initiating a lot of the action in the campaign once the contract is signed. So it will be them. And just listing those things out is usually enough. And you can keep that as a reminder to yourself – you know, weeks or months after that deal has been cemented. You can look back on it and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They've totally... They've totally forgotten the terms (laughs) of the contract, (laughs) but I have it written down here. So now, now the bad guys are going to come hunting.
0: That's them. a good way to take that note, right? So it doesn't feel – you don't have to you know, yeah. write the whole thing out. Exactly. Use flowery language yes. if you don't want to. But, but
2: it, you know, the cre- really creative DMs will go and they'll actually like, you know, put a piece of paper in their oven and bake it so it looks all oh, you know, I old love and crumbly and then they'll scrawl in sepia ink on it the terms of a Fiendish contract and I think those props are great and DMs should just use um, – define the terms as they see fit. Right.
0: Right, and use it for, for, for pushing the role-playing the story exactly. forward. Exactly, yeah. It's,
2: a, it's purely really a story device, not really something we codify mechanically because then we're hamstringing creativity. Right, exactly, because yeah. there's lots of, lots of options there. Exactly.
0: Cool. Well, if people want to uh, ask you uh, to pinky swear and therefore mm-hmm. get that agreement right. uh, in the laws and the halls of mechanics, how can they do that?
2: Uh, they can find me on Twitter at ChrisPerkinsDND. D.:
0: Awesome. I'm yeah. sure you'll get lots of yes. agreements there. We all know about signing
2: planar contracts because if we're on Twitter, we did not <laughs> them. We had to sign yeah. <laughs> them. keep updating them all the time, and
0: I keep not reading them and just <laughs> clicking OK. Each one of each one of those U- EULA yes. right. things you've done are now in the planar mechanics, uh, and yes. you can look them up there if you like. Exactly. Thanks a lot, Chris. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we'll be back with some more Laura You Should Know next week. Did you understand everything about planar contracts that uh, Chris Uh, Perkins just told us? I mean, I'm no
1: expert, but I do feel more educated.
0: Do you feel like you would need to have a legal counsel to go over any contracts you make with uh, Drunky Two-Shoes going forward? No. No. All right, well, great. I feel really good. Yeah, easy peasy. Great. Thank you for Um, that. But I am interested to find out how that will all pertain to Dice Camera Action going forward because there's a lot of contracts out there. Especially uh Oman Drawn from Actors Incorporated. He really does like legal text. It's yes, one of his favorite things. For sure. Yes. So uh, I don't have a good segue, but uh, I'm sure Anna she B. Meyer used text. a lot of legal text when she was creating the maps that uh, we're gonna talk about in this interview, right? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. That was a- right. There was a lot of fine print on the on the bottom. You gotta read it all.
1: Yeah. Right, I did. exactly. My f- actually my favorite part of the maps. <laughs>
0: Is all the so stuff that's go. being like, please don't sue me. Yes. It's adorable. <laughs> it is adorable.
1: And that totally works. Exactly. Totally works.
0: So uh, if you're a fan of cartography or, or how to use maps in your games, you definitely want to listen to this uh, interview going forward. We're because just very a lot cool,
1: talented people.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's true. Just, clearly they are because that's, that's why like, they
1: listen to this show. What?
0: Uh, So yes, let's listen to this interview. It's from again. It's from three months ago. So if any timely references might be off, uh, but in general, it was uh, it was pretty evergreen and timeless. So uh, if you're interested at all in uh, what uh, Kobold Press is doing and Wolfgang being the Kobold in chief and all, uh, as well as cartography in your games, this is the thing to listen to. So let's do it. These two fine folks with us today, uh, Mr. Wolfgang Bauer, a friend yeah. of the show. Oh yeah, many a visit here. Yeah, glad to be back. Yeah, excited. This is like
3: number four, I think. I've, right, it's number four. And
1: people yeah. have even like requested that you just show up more
0: often, and what? maybe
1: you're just like,
0: like <laughs> I don't a, know if I can work that into my schedule, but it's very flattering. Thank
1: well, you. Well, it is very flattering yes.
0: but uh, the people
1: love you. Oh, very. Hey.
0: And uh, Anna B. Meyer is here.
4: Yep. Woo-hoo! How are you? Good. Good. Yep. Yeah.
0: Glad you're here. here. Uh, So uh, uh, we know what Wolfgang does. People know uh, uh, him as the kobold in chief. Mm -hmm. What's what's your position? What do you do?
4: I do maps. (gasps) Yep. I love maps. So I'm kind of a fantasy photographer. So I worked for Wolfgang now for almost five years now. Oh, yeah, fact. we started yeah. in Southlands about five years ago. Right, yeah. and mm-hmm.
3: I didn't see print until 2015. Exactly, Yeah, there wow. was a lot of work mm-hmm. to get yeah. there.
4: Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of other stuff, too, but that's been my main gig the past five years. Yeah, is maps. Mm-hmm.
3: That yeah. is awesome. How did you
4: two
1: find each other?
3: Well, Online. Greyhawk, the power of Greyhawk. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Oh. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did... Uh, a Greyhawk map that was so impressive, and it was posted online. I'm like, who is this cartographer? And I dug around a little. It wasn't that hard to figure out. Oh, this is Anna. She does this cool cartography of one of my favorite D&D settings. I wonder if she has any time available to just do a little thing for Cobalt Press. Just a little Ugh. corner over here, a little regional
4: map, nothing huh. big. Nope. And that rapidly spun out of control. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It took a little while, and then we, yeah, we did a whole continent.
2: How? how a big whole a continent? continent?
4: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh like half my a million. Oh, probably about two million square miles. Two million like square miles of yeah, continent. Something like wow. that. Yeah. That's what? a lot We started miles. with that. So we started with something the size of Africa, and then we moved on from there. Oh, my yeah. God, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. How
1: did it keep growing? Well, um, Wolfgang's
4: fantasy we kind of like, imagination oh, is kind of... Kind undiscovered territory. It's my here. fault. Well, yeah. I
3: did that. I wanted there to be an outer coast that could be yeah. civilized mm-hmm. and interesting yep. and all that, and then a, an interior that... Mm-hmm would have just room for everything, yeah. like Dinosaur kingdom. Yeah, but we shrunk things. it down. It was oh, well.
4: double-sized to begin we, with. Yeah. Yeah. You and talked we, me
3: down out yeah. of
4: the yeah. whatever it was. It was like an 8,000 mile desert, and I said, that's kind of a little bit too much. So we, kind of, <laughs> we, we, we shrunk it down a little bit. It's so, going
0: to be yeah. mostly
3: blank.
4: Manageable. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: But it really makes everyone appreciate those teleport spells, right, that yep. they don't mm-hmm. get in Midgard. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yep.
4: Yeah. It, Someone figured it took like three months to go from that city to that city in the desert. And we don't only need it no. to take a mon- month and a half. That was all this needed. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's easy. Yeah.
0: You cut it down by half.
3: That's yep.
4: good.
1: Yeah. So where, what is this continent?
3: So that continent is the Southlands, okay. which is part of the Midgard setting. Okay. Uh, so that that continent was the first one Anna did. Mm-hmm. More recently, she's done the main continent of Midgard, oh. uh, which is. Well, yeah, oh my God! Yeah, time yeah, for yeah, the show. Yeah, time this. for the. You, you knew it was coming, right? Yep. world. Oh.
4: Yep. Oh.
3: And in the back is where the the best part is: is the fold out map. <gasps> I love that. Can, oh. Can right? we? So we can fold can we out one of these <laughs> maps. Can we, can we take? We actually brought one that isn't even folded. Oh my You're so special. This
1: is like a cooking See. show. When it is like like, a cooking okay, show. Okay, then you oh, put it in God. the oven for 15 minutes, right. and,
3: then it, and then it comes out like, it like this. Awesome my mess. daughter had this pink twist tie when I was looking that. for a rubber band this morning. That's and, the perfect <gasps> application for a twist mm-hmm. tie. Yep. It really is.
0: Pause. Oh my
3: gosh.
1: No, yep. no, no! no. So, this no. Is so for
0: you guys listening on podcast form, you're just going to hear lots of oohs and ahs and drools, paper, and dripping of saliva. Lots Holy paper.
1: cow. Uh, that's
3: yep. the
0: main Midgard comment. Are you
1: kidding me? Which
3: is also available online at midgardmap.cobaltpress.com, something like that.
1: Look at Anna, uh, your so name's all nice and big, right? It there. should yeah. be. Yeah. She did all really? this work. I made I, sure that
3: it was on How there. on earth? Yep. I don't even know Well, we should how talk about begin. how, because, yeah. like... The technique is amazing, right? It's all... Yeah.
4: Yeah, I use the same digital tools that the uh, they use to create terrain for Hollywood movies and computer games and stuff like that, and apply it for fantasy tabletop roleplay.
1: So, I think mm-hmm. I
4: have to just go
1: back even a little bit further, but how yeah. did you even get into this?
4: I had it as a hobby. I've, I've been playing D&D since 1979, so I've been yeah playing every edition and, and just had fun with it, and as every gamer, I wanted to be game designer. I wanted to do monsters. I wanted to write adventures and whatnot. I realized that there's a lot of people that are much better than me at this, and and so I realized what my thing. Well, I love. Landscape photography. Yeah. I've been flying a lot in my life, so I love to look at terrain and, and the world ah, and so on. Cool. So, 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 doing maps became my speciality. And in the beginning, I was doing pencil and, and whatnot, like doodle, like everybody else. But then, digital mapping came about in the '90s, and I thought these are really cool tools. So, I started using them as and did it as a hobby, and started mapping Greyhawk as my because that was the game world that I ran my games in. So I started mapping that for about 15 years, and then I moved to California. I realized now I need something new to do. So I <laughs> sat down and, and, and finished my Greyhawk map and was Emmy nominated for it. And then, then Wolfgang kind of reached out and, and a bunch of others, and now I'm doing it full-time. So Oh, my yeah. God. This is, yeah, mm-hmm. now it's full-time. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so how did you get M- Emmy nominated for a Greyhawk map? Well, it was simply they, they someone sent in uh, the digital image, and, and you have free content and blogs and, and whatnot.
1: Any. Do you say I mean, any?
4: An- oh, any. 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 I was yes. like, how did, this, how did a gray, no, map no. of Greyhawk end up on
0: any. TV? Oh, no. no, without N- us any. knowing about it's it. It's it an award in the yep. tabletop industry? You may have yep. I may have heard of that, yes. of that <laughs> one. you won
4: like Five hundred of them. We were just players. happy to be nominated. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. technically, we, we were. Yeah. Yeah. And we I have a few examples. That's true. Oh, yeah. Bring out the great map. map. Yeah. So these are a few so kind is this of examples. That, that that's the map that started everything. That's the started everything for me. Yeah. So I, I just keep doing. And this is that's, just a small bit of it. It's about three five feet by five feet. And what uh, what
0: yeah. year was that made?
4: Uh, I started making this in 1997. Okay. 98, sorry. And, and then I kept doing it for 20 years. So now it's 20 years old. It took about 15 years, it's spread out over 15 years, about five years of full-time work doing it. Wow. Yep. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome work. I love maps so much. I think there was always like my... Uh, Portal into fantasy has been studying maps. It started with Tolkien back in the day, and and, well, and getting all maps that. are great too, right? They're yeah.
3: reproduced mm-hmm. in the
0: books. Yep, the author did them, which kind of gives them gives another, an extra, yeah. 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 And uh, and these are just things that take you,
4: they m- make it feel <coughs> real, right? Yeah, I wanted yeah. to visualize. For me, there's like there's a place for for that kind of Tolkien esque map that looks like a parchment paper that you you bring up. That's something that. In my campaign, the characters will buy that. And when they go to a big city yeah. and go to a cartographer in-game, they will buy that map. This, The maps I'm doing here are more the maps that the, the DM and, and you need in order to visualize the world. So to so know where should I have the orc encounter or where should that castle on the mountain hilltop be and, and, yes. and where oh, on the coastline oh, should be a great place to have a harbor and a city or whatever. So, yeah. so it's a way of visualizing the world because when, you, when it's in the theater of the mind, you need certain tools in order to visualize it.
0: The, and these almost feel like you know the uh, uh, satellite yes. yeah, uh, mm-hmm. imagery yep. of what think, it yeah,
4: actually all those looks years like. Of uh, being mm-hmm. a
0: pilot
3: paid yep. off, yes. right? Yep. All that mm-hmm. boring flying around the world, <laughs> looking <laughs> I, at the world.
4: I love that. Yeah, like, and, and hiking of and landscape photography and stuff, flying. And gaming. So I want to, yeah, so I want cool. to visualize the the, uh, the gaming world, so to speak. Just yeah. like you do the same thing that that you've had in dungeon maps for, for decades. You've had beautiful dungeons being rendered so you can have that combat in dungeons. I want to do the same right. thing for overland ventures. Yeah. I want to have the dungeon map for overland gaming. I, yeah.
3: Honestly the the zoom feature on the Midgard online map is my favorite oh, bit. Oh my Because you can go from this big continental scale mm-hmm. and you click, yep. yeah. click down and click down and you click I think you can do four clicks now. Yeah. Closer, mm-hmm. tighter, tighter, yep. tighter. Yep. tighter. Yep. And at some point, you're just like, when does it stop clicking, right? How close can I get? It never stops. And and you're always talking about, like, well, how big is a pixel? I'm like, well, a pixel is tiny. And you're like, no, I mean, is a pixel 100 feet wide or a mile Mm -hmm. wide? Mm -hmm. And your maps are like, it's measured in feet. Like yeah. Each yeah. Pixel
4: I, I did a, a small for my patron last month. I finished a project. That each pixel was ten feet, meaning you can see individual houses, you can see trails and, and trees and stuff like that. This is a quarter of a mile pixels, so you can't see details that small. But on Midgard is about the same as, as this, this in detail level. But we we should do. We've talked about it, special about. areas yeah. in Midgard that that are of special interest for the, for the players to do them right. at at hundred feet or ten feet per pixel. So we so you can show what. Well, Special that. cities look like, and the, you can have the surrounding areas. You know where the secret temples are, right. or the stuff like that. Yeah. So, do you when you design it? Is it all like just different layers of or? It, I, it's a three D world. Okay. It's actually modeled in three D. Oh my god! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you can look at it from top down. You can look at it from other angles and and stuff like. You can zoom in and stuff, and so and it's also various data layers. So you can actually, I can actually switch out, switch out the 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 the, the pixel layers of, of the image and and replace it with parchment and just put the shading on there for like political maps so you want to know where, mm-hmm. where elves live or, or where a certain evil cult, have, what's their area of influence and mm-hmm. things like that and you can switch up all sorts of stuff that way. You can put trade. How rich are the, the, the people living in, in these areas? What's yeah. the uh, general alignment of an area if you have that in your campaign? All sorts of things. I mean, so you you can-
3: call it a map, but it's really more like an atlas, right? Yes. Because yeah. it, mm-hmm. it contains all yeah. this additional yeah. information. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and they call it a map. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Well, it's just loaded with yeah. you know political yeah. information, yeah. geography, mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so, when you're running your own campaign, do you give that material to your players? Do you give to, them that level degree, of detail? Yes.
4: Yeah, to a degree, I do. I give them what I do usually is I, I put put the map in Illustrator or Photoshop, and then I blur out the large areas. So, if mm. they're in an area, they can see that there's a mountain chain over here, the coastline is there. And then I have pins on the map showing like there's a city over there, but they don't know what the land actually looks like. And I have a lot of hex scrolls. They, they wander across the landscape. Oh, and great. a journey in, in my campaign. like a journey in a role-playing game is more like how many encounters what's happened over the journey so so, if you go across the city, you might have 10 things happening. But if you need to go across the kingdom, you need to have 100 things happen. Otherwise, it doesn't feel like you've gone anywhere.
0: Yeah, right.
4: and, and that's why you have to have tons of things happening. So, so it, and also, it needs to be consistent. So if they had that wonderful little campsite by the river that looked beautiful three years ago, when they come back, it should be remembered. And right. I should be able to tell the gamers again what it felt like yeah. and what it looked like. And that consistency, meaning it's a world they can actually adventure, in that is there for them, so to speak. I
0: love that because yeah. that's the way I I mm-hmm. uh, so I want to play in your campaign is basically whatever when it comes out of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I love that level of simulationist detail where yep. it's like it's yep. not just uh, you know there's some DMs who do uh, completely theater of the mind style and yep. it's like oh just one thing to the next yep. and it, there's no like yep. consisting like that but having that that information of like you know you've been there before or mm-hmm. like that this is yep. now mm-hmm. controlled by these people and then having the players be able to influence that and like yep. oh if you do this dungeon or if you yep. overthrow this lord or something like that then the political map changes mm-hmm. and then that makes it feel yep. so much more real yep. uh, to me because as I said maps are like my gateway into yep. this type of fantasy yep. So,
4: and some games are, are they want to run an adventure path or they just want to have a one shot or something but some campaigns and some gamers they kind of like to have a sandbox where they can live in so to speak and adventuring yeah. for for right. for years and years and years slowly, and and slowly take and, over yeah. take over the <laughs> entire yeah. planet yeah. yeah so i think it's a different taste of how you want to play and sometimes i just want to run something just for for, for test out new technique or, or or make an encounter but sometimes i want to have to come home so to speak to to yeah. adventure where we've done for years yeah. Yep. So, so you, uh, we're totally ignoring you, both. <laughs> because so we're sorry. so fascinated to this.
1: Thank you for bringing Anna.
0: <laughs> 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 You're so welcome. I'm happy to share yeah. her. She is She's wonderful. Amazing. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. So you might You went, you started playing in '79. Yep. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? I mean, you were you were in Sweden at yes, the time. Yes, I was
4: in Sweden at the time, and it was a friend of a friend who had been in 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 America and picked up a copy copy of the game and, okay. and had uh. one set of dice. And I don't still don't to this day don't know who that person is. But but some uh, <laughs> someone uh, was here. Somebody was here and, and and introduced me. And and then, then they needed more players for the game, so they simply dragged me down and set me at a table, say you're going to play D&D. I had I hadn't even read I didn't know what fantasy was. I'd never ran uh, read Lord of the Rings oh, wow. or I didn't know what dwarves wow. or elves you're or totally came in cold. Exactly. I was completely cold. And and we played it one afternoon and I was like, kind of hmm, what is this weird thing? And and I didn't know about it. But they said, Oh, we're going to play tomorrow again. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll do it tomorrow again. And then it struck me. The, how the potential possibilities of this was. And, and three hours into that game, I was like, this is really cool. And, and then I, I picked <laughs> up the, the Bilbo and, and, and started reading uh. Lord of the Rings, and then I was hooked. Yeah. And then, but, and the first DM we have he didn't do much of a good job, but he disappeared quickly. And then we had a new guy they and he, he was amazing. Him. And he was simply, yeah, the, ran, the way he ran adventures was just awesome. And I wonder, what is all this wonderful came about? And then I picked up, a few years later, I picked up the Greyhawk box back in 83. Uh-huh. And that's when I realized, this is my magic. So, so it became my little box of uh, stories and stuff. And I ran my games in it and done it ever since. But I love to play in, in all sorts of other stuff. So I played in Forgotten Realms and Dark Sun and all and, yeah, well, other games too, but mainly D&D and, and fantasy, yeah that is fantastic
0: yeah. uh, it's so funny that someone just picked up a copy you know mm-hmm. here yeah. in the states brought, brought it, over it over and then it, it expanded yeah. from there yep. Yeah That's mm-hmm. that is how it happens. Yeah, yeah one and well, at least back then where like oh, yeah. there was it, the culture of like bootleg yeah, cassettes we, exactly. and things like and, that and, and we found
4: out that there were a couple of other game groups in the country and we started organizing conventions and then I became part owner of a game store for oh, like gosh, a decade really? and 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 part of organizing conventions and yeah, it was one of my main hobbies for like 25 30 years.
0: Yeah. Where in uh, Sweden?
4: That was in, in near Gothenburg in in the western part of Sweden. So, okay. yeah, so Gothcon is actually one of the one of the oldest be can- Gen conventions outside America. I think it's I get been it there. A totally different
3: going? image yeah. in my mind mm-hmm. when you say Gothcon. Yeah, I, it's not like
4: exactly. It's, got, I <laughs> yeah, it's because of Gothenburg. It's right. Gothenburg. Yeah, no, goth it so, so, it was. I think they organized it from 1977 or something like that, it's and I was still part going? of Oh yes, they're still going on. They've gone on every and year since. This is one since. that you started. Uh, I was I didn't start it, but I was part of organizing it one of the the first couple of years. So, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, when we started, we started doing D and D and Traveler and a few other games back then. Yeah. Do you
0: now? I mean, I'm fascinated now to think about what what uh, uh, playing in other countries uh, yeah. and different cultures all mm-hmm. about. Have you been back to Sweden? Like, do, what's the Dungeons and Dragons uh, or role playing community like
4: there? It's it's almost as developed as here, I would say, because it's it probably has about the same penetration as here. And there is also of course the old the big games from here like d and d and others are as popular there as here, but they're also are some some Swedish games and some of them have actually been crossbred over here. Like mm-hmm. Cult is one of right. the examples I've that,
1: that. Yes, that's exactly.
4: That's game? originally a Swedish can game because yeah. it's mm-hmm. super dark. But, but yeah. that's not yeah. what I picture. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, yep. and and there was it's uh, oh, wow. yeah. so, so there's it's not all ever. happiest people. Yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. So role playing <laughs> games became uh, quite an established hobby, and, and it's been going up and down just like here. It was big in the the eighties, early eighties, and then it was kind of down during the nineties, and then a big revival again, just like here. So that's cool. So mm-hmm.
1: did it ever have the um like when here D and D was kind of ooh, like tied to No some
4: we no we are so secular, so that we was never, never an had issue. any of no, the no we don't have the, that that hang ups like that. No, I never heard of that. And yep. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I knew a lot of friends in uh, in Stockholm in mm-hmm. the video game side of things. Yeah. You know, people at Paradox mm-hmm. uh, yep. and all that, mm-hmm. and yeah, and they yep. were always spoke fondly yep. of playing Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. And
4: I think that's one of the reasons that Sweden is big in in video games too. Yeah, yeah, because probably because of the, of D anD D being you big had, there? Yeah, you have oh, that yeah. that culture is a crossbreed between meaning creative people that work with stories and and stuff like that. So yeah. That's fascinating. So, are mm-hmm. you
1: still playing D and D? Oh
4: yes, okay. yeah, yeah. That's part of it. I play other games too, but I still play D and D. Yep. hmm I haven't started playing Fifth Edition that much yet, but I'm I'm getting into it. So, yeah. We're, we're working on her. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm I've stayed with 3.5; have been my my mainstay for a long time. So, but um, yeah. But I think that that Fifth Edition is the the best edition that is there, and what is there is simply awesome. It's just that there are things not there yet. So that's what I'm waiting for. There was for. a lot there, yeah. there mm-hmm. in 3.5. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you could make any kind of uh, uh, weird thing that yeah, you could possibly exactly. think that's, of with prestige yeah. classes mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, yep. so
4: that's I'm waiting for some of that content to come out and... and House ruled it and fifth edition is, yeah, it plays uh, the I best of <laughs>
3: I know a small press publisher who's yes. willing to provide
0: that
4: content. It's
0: it's Green Ronin, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> 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 you cut me, you cut me to the quick. Yep we we'll have to get Chris on and we'll, yeah. we'll talk about yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> well, he'll do it. By the end right. of
1: this podcast, mm-hmm. Wolfgang's going to have the Kickstarter live. Yes.
0: <laughs> no, no.
3: I, hey, man, yep. I'm just going to hold up. You know, there's this hero's handbook, Anna. It's oh, like a yes. player's handbook for 5th mm-hmm. edition um, with all these character mm-hmm. options and 300 spells and 12 new domains. Lots I don't know. of good stuff in there. It's yeah. a ridiculous... Yeah, you really should. Yeah. So this... Brought, is
1: this the brand
3: new one? This is brand new. These two came out at the same they time. the same time. Yep. So one's a world book and one is a crunch book which is sort of, it's all the new races like the bear folk the uh, and the trollkin And it's, yeah. There's a, I
1: mean, that's, there's a lot in this book. There's a lot in <laughs> yeah.
3: this Well, if we're going to call it a hero's handbook, it has to deliver all those options, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we said, let's do elven magic and shadow magic. Let's do, um, let's do a subclass for every single possible character class except the monk. 'cause we don't <laughs> like them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you okay. like the monk? Uh, no, no, I I actually don't mind the monk. I don't know how we skipped it. I think we're we we just sort of said the monk seems to be doing fine without us. Maybe it uh-huh. doesn't we didn't have anything that was cool enough um, or unearth our cannabis to it, right? That's, like,
0: I uh, blame that, Jeremy whenever you get um, a chance. Well,
3: I don't know. B- credit. Credit Jeremy. <laughs> credit Jeremy. For being so far ahead on the month that there was nothing we could add.
0: Man, I want more centaurs in my life. I you, can smell that new
1: book from over it here. It does. You it's got a nice new book, book yeah. smell. It does.
0: Yeah. It does. So I, I just...
3: We have been getting a ton of feedback on this. Like, when's it coming to D&D Beyond? And I'm like, oh, I have bad news on the licensing front, people. But, yeah. Um, when you have
0: to explain business relationships, it always ends up in a in an unhappy uh, result for customers. Right, but it's
3: like, we're this is going straight to Fantasy Grounds and Roll20, and it's at your local game store, right? Like, the Canadians are, can I pick it up locally? Well, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> Over the interwebs, uh-huh. as well as through the uh, the book channels. Yeah, so it just hit... Um, people are, are kind of grooving on it and launching new campaigns. I think there's already a couple of streamers and podcasters who are saying, well, we've got a world book and we've got a player's handbook. Why don't we run this thing? And I'm like, oh, thank goodness, because I, I thought I had missed the yeah. streaming Twitch But now you can generation. jump right back in. Yeah. Well, other people are picking up the torch. I don't have to jump in, right? That's it, right. It's even better if someone
0: else is... I keep opening up to the bear folk. I mean, I think they're <laughs> I like they're him, pretty yeah. much. I think
1: they're speaking to uh, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and
0: it's got like an Alas, poor Yorick. I knew him well. That is totally his pose. <laughs> Was that the art description that you wrote? I think that went to the art director. It's like he's
3: a bear and he's saying, "Alas, poor
0: Yorick." <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. with, I got with sh- that horn skull. With the horn skull,
3: it. I got to show the one other picture, which I I think I showed this at Gary Khan a lot. This is my favorite new cleric because we have all these new domains. Uh-huh. That's her. She's a dwarf. We took a position on the no beard for for dwarves. She is <laughs> okay. a cleric of the beer goddess. Oh, yeah. That one speaks to Yes. Me. I yeah. know. There's a beer domain in here. You can mm-hmm. become a cleric of the Domain. I live in the I beer am domain. I role play the
1: hell out of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: We need to map all the corners of the beer domain. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's a little sidebar for you Elfie, wealthy types who don't want to play a dwarf right then. You can call it the wine domain. Yep. Do mm-hmm. this. Uh, Actually,
0: that sounds more up my
3: alley. Uh, see, now, now I understand about, your two yep, personalities. Right? You're the beer person,
1: I'm the, the beer wine. goddess. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, no, I think you're the wine person.
1: Well, right? I kind <laughs> of. I am actually, I'm kind of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Beer, wine,
0: we're, bubbles. We're, Margarita we're people, bubbles, vodka. Yeah, exactly. The vodka.
1: <laughs> Clementine vodka.
0: Uh, Tito's is where it's at, really. That's the only kind of vodka anyone
1: should It's the Svedka. Oh my it's
0: goodness, Svedka. There is a Tito's vodka, isn't there? <laughs> and you get yeah. a percentage. Every time I mention it on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, mm-hmm.
1: The family vodka yeah. business. So yeah. when
0: all of you are saying, blame Tito, I'm getting those sweet, Vodka bucks. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His the name's
1: license. not even Greg Tito. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I changed it's it a after the uh, yeah. <laughs> got that tattooed on a shoulder blade, mm-hmm. which is silly now because that his it's it's the guy's first name is the guy who made the vodka. It's Tito Beverage is his ah. name. Wait. His real name is Tito uh, Beverage. That's not
1: true. It is. His last name is Beverage.
0: His last name is Beverage, and he makes, and beverages. He makes beverages. You're totally it, making this up. No, and it's true. Look at the it. bottle. It says it's by Tito I Beverage. Think he made it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tito
3: Beverage Tito made it up. Tito Beverage yes. is maybe
0: the company. Yep. No, it's him. It's the yep.
1: guy. Yep. I'm serious. Somebody Google this. Yeah, it's
0: true. What? I just found a Tito's vodka commercial. <laughs> See?
3: Oh my See?
4: goodness. Oh, really? Yep.
3: Ryan backing me up.
0: Yep.
4: Wow. You know,
0: if it comes from the engineering booth, it's
3: yep. official. It's yep. official. Mm-hmm.
4: Yep.
0: Exactly.
3: Wow. All
4: right. All right. So, uh,
0: so what are you going to be mapping next? What's what's the next uh, map project?
4: Well, we have something yeah. Yeah, up the sleeve in the future. We have of,
0: talked about yeah.
3: another mm-hmm. large Midgard map, which mm-hmm. we haven't quite announced yet. Yep. And uh, moving, zooming in on the mm-hmm. city of Zobek, we yes. talked about mm-hmm. that, because that's, that's the water deep of Midgard, and doing <laughs> this sort of one pixel equals 10 feet thing is yeah. really appealing to me.
1: That's what I like. That's super you, cool. Yeah. Like, you could zoom in to, like,
4: see buildings? And you can, yeah, put trees in there and stuff like that, too. So, yeah. So, like,
1: when you're in the marketplace, mm-hmm. could you actually yeah. like, look around and well, see the different Yeah, you stalls? want to
4: bridge the from the battle map you to the world that, map, so to speak. Right. You want to have some, some sort of connection. <laughs> it's hard to do that or, for every area, but right. you can do it for some area. Instead of just having the city, you can put the city in, in its terrain, like, the surrounding 50 miles or so. Oh, man, so that'd be cool. so great if it was, like, a, yep. like
0: the Google Street View. Yep. Like yep. That's up, what I was just picturing. Just yep. yeah. Yeah.
4: Iconic places in campaign settings should be detailed, not only the dungeon, but also the surrounding yeah. area, so you can get the, the the feel for what it looks like. Right. Yep. So, what would you? So, all right. First off, what's uh? You said you use a,
0: a piece of software that that mm-hmm. does this. What, I use
4: a half a dozen pieces of software, but I use uh, World Machine. I use Gaia. I use View. I use Photoshop, Illustrator. Yeah. How and do you combine them all into one product? You have to kind of mix and match. You use textures in some of them. Um, you use vector graphics, and you you work on the the, the height data, and then you use some ge- geographical information systems to present it, and then yeah, stuff like that. And then it's some some painting and some touching up and and traditional kind of things too. So, so when yep. you
0: export it out, does it come as a flattened image, or yes, and then yeah. you, or you can uh, or as you're you talking yeah, about you, more of a
4: web mm-hmm. application where you yes. can zoom in? Yep. Eventually, you can put it in a game engine too. Right. And, and I mean, and look at it from any angle and stuff. Yeah, it's it's sort sort of
3: both, right? Mm-hmm. Like the map you mm-hmm. export is a yep. layered thing. Yeah. So that's great both for printing it mm-hmm. and looking great, but yep. also when we put it online, right, yep. the, that mm-hmm. Mintgard map, yep. uh, you can... You can remove layers, I think. Yeah,
4: Yeah. and also there's also uh, uh, elevation data. So you have basically the same data that you can get from Google Earth or something. And so you can actually put it in in a geographical information system and look at it from any angles, get elevation curves and stuff like that. It's a possibility,
3: yeah. Mm -hmm. It's possible to put a pin here and a pin there and Mm -hmm. say, how
4: far is it between these pins? Right, Mm -hmm.
0: including elevation
3: and all that.
4: Yeah, So you you can do a lot of these things. It's more what what you want to do and, and... Taking the time to do it, but
0: well, right. But, so that was my part B of this question: mm-hmm. was uh, w- how would you get a beginner in on this? How, how, how what's, I have what's a, the baby's first turn?
4: That one of the the, uh, the, the purposes of, is it to get people more people than me working on this. Okay. Yeah, so they can pledge and, and support it, and, and I can give them the secret, so to speak, and I yeah, give them the source. Yeah, that
3: Patreon? Is that
4: under your name? Or yeah, it's patreon.com forward slash Anna B. He's good. He's good. Yeah. He's good. yeah. yeah. I, wasn't,
3: yeah. <laughs> I wasn't entirely sure if it was under Greyhawk Maps, well, and I'm like, I think that's it, a copyright by so you, you found by it.
4: it somewhere. So, <laughs> yep, I mm-hmm, did find it. All right. Yep. Mm-hmm, yep. So one of my uh, pro- uh, coming projects is to renew that one, to redo it again. Oh, do we do the? Yes, the great redo do this. Did do it again? <clears throat> did you yeah. say it took mm-hmm. you
1: like twenty-five years? Yeah, so it, it took.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I worked on it for twenty plan. years, and it took about five years to uh, full-time work. And I um, expect this time to take about five years more as oh, a hobby okay. project to redo it, just to. To figure out how to do it the best and use it as my research and development setting, because if I do things commercially, I don't want to have to invent the wheel and tell Wolfgang that oh, it took three more uh, three extra months and took me this long and it doesn't look good. So I have Mm. something to play with. Oh, okay. But I'm also hoping that you will open DM's Guild or something so I can present it there to to the players. That would be Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That will be my. So I can kind of keep it in the back pocket. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why can't we?
0: Yep. Let's do it. Well, I mean, you're looking like it's <laughs> up to me, but uh, sure. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but I yeah. mean, you can start with uh, Barovia is, mm-hmm. is in there as yeah. well as, yeah. uh, you know, all yeah, of the and uh, Forgotten Realms, yeah. Faerun, uh, so even just the
3: Sword Coast. I was Coast. just
4: going to say, there's also other settings to work on. So, yeah, we'll it's see. True. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true. Yeah.
3: But I mean, Ravenloft and the Sword Coast are certainly places that were are great to start. And the nice thing about Ravenloft is it's relatively small. Yep. It's yeah. not an Africa-sized exactly. continent. Yep. you probably knock that off in a weekend, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Like a, yeah. it's like a New yep. England size. Yep, you know, we do that easier to in an afternoon.
4: Yep.
1: In right. an afternoon.
3: The yeah. one thing that Anna didn't say but that I think is incredibly fascinating about that altitude data, yeah. if you have um, hills and mountains and everything embedded in your map, one of the things, I don't know how you do this, but you, you can move a camera through mm-hmm. it. Yep. So it's like a flyover.
4: What? Mm.
3: Yeah. Well, the Midgard Kickstarter video did this, right? Yeah. Like, And then the, the launch video, actually, which is live now, um, also does it where we fly over the setting. And you follow the river and you're up over the mountains and through the hills. And you said it was easy once once the map existed to yep. do the flyover. And yep. I'm like, but the flyover is animated and I'm flying through space like a dragon. Yeah.
4: Well that part is only takes a lot of number crunching so you put a computer and you put the settings and you leave it for 4 days and then you come back and uh, pick it up again. Oh, it's, it's so, all yeah. got all the mm-hmm. frames ready mm-hmm. to go. So it's
3: easy for you but yeah. some poor power mac or yeah. exactly. something have to be is fried sweating.
0: for for a week <laughs> or, or something. Yep. Please Anna yep. don't hurt us. Yep,
4: <laughs> <laughs> smokes come out and I hope that my uh, my uh, electricity provider will not cut the power while I'm doing it. That's yeah. the, that's the scary part. Yep. That is the scary mm-hmm. part. That's why yep. I have
0: to go back to uh, uh, Sweden to yep. deal with yep. better infrastructure. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so far it's holed up. Yeah,
0: good deal, good deal. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, so I'm so fascinated about this. I've drawn a few maps, as you said. You know, that's how you got to get your start. But I've never thought of going this so deep into the the software and the and the mapping side of it. I just want to, you know, yeah, reap and a, the
1: benefits yeah. Yeah, of and it. You, so that you, can, that you can learn. Yeah,
4: yeah. there's some other so many other cartographers that are so good at drawing dungeons. So I wanted to draw something different. That where I could stand out a bit, yeah, so yeah. So I made I went big rather than small.
0: I like it macro scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because there's not that many uh, fantasy cartographers out there. Like you said, that but, you know, it's yeah. I feel like it's a smaller niche, but it's growing.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's growing, and, and there's probably about I would say almost a dozen or so that do it more or less full time now.
0: Yep. Yeah. Right out of seven billion people.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a growing. It's niche. It, used yeah. like yeah. it used to be like three. Six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It used to be
4: none or, or, or so. But then now right. there's a, a bunch of us that, that keep yeah. doing
0: this. Yeah, and I've, I know I've there's this, I've seen them. I started following all of them on this community the last mm-hmm. couple of, of of months because yeah. they all. I, I mean, do you are you in contact with them? Do you guys like trade well, yeah. stuff? Well, yeah, yeah. Back yeah and I have forth?
4: a couple of them that that I, I we, we exchange ideas on how to do things, techniques, and 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 we exchange resources like textures and and stuff oh, we do that's and cool. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah place' nice. We should yep. do like a cartographer summit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And this then we just.
1: could be Edna's future. Yeah.
0: It could be. It could be.
1: Greg's daughter draws maps. Ooh. Yeah. Didn't she draw a map of some, her imaginary world?
0: Uh, I was helping her. I was drawing it, and oh. then she was like <laughs> naming off the places. Uh, and that was it. my work, really.
1: <laughs> yep. Oh, I thought. Well, I'm yeah. not impressed anymore.
0: Yeah. It's 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 really uh uh what she I think she likes the idea of traveling yeah. in, in in a, in a space mm-hmm. and exploring like it. her dad. Yeah. Exactly. So, Wolfgang,
1: how do you give Anna this information? Are you uh, providing this elevation data? uh, No. no, I mean, how are you, what information do you give? uh, Uh, I,
3: I well... It's not nearly as much information as you think, right? Like, the further you get away from Zobek in the heart of the Midgard setting, the more nebulous and amorphous the directions become. And it's like, yeah. it's sort of a Madagascar yeah. meets Tunisia coastline.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. right. and I sent him a question saying that what What do they do there? Do they crop grow crops or is that an evil cult or, right. or yeah, whatever? And so – yeah.
3: so, I'm really bad at maps that are graphical in any way. For some reason, my writerly side takes over. I draw a map, and then I start writing all over it. This is my normal (laughs) turnover. It's like, here's the Mm -hmm. coasts, and these are rivers. Those should be in blue. And now let's (laughs) start. Like, forest here is
4: way easier for me to write than... I'm drawing gonna, each individual yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah. But and for that, me, that that's perfect because that's the kind of input I want. It, yeah. And people think that they need to send me beautiful sketches, but that's what they hire me to do. Right. So, so just give me a big paper with scroll down saying forest here, evil dragon here, whatever, and, and a lot of boulders over here. Right, and, and then like yeah.
3: later, it's like, well, the mountain range comes back, and I'll say, well, Anna, this is a great mountain range, and it looks all fantastic. Yeah. But what I forgot to tell you was where the frost giants live, so there need to be a whole lot more glaciers. Yes. Right, yep. so or we something. need to
4: tweak things back and forth. <laughs> and so so th-
3: yeah. then things change, but yep. I don't know. It's sort of a back and forth oh, yeah. constantly. Mm-hmm. Yep. and it gets us. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I'm not going to play a bit about the results. They're just so fantastic, and some of it is pure art and some of it is algorithm, right? Yeah. Like you generate yeah. some I of the river fractals curves. And, and stuff to, to, oh, yeah, yeah. to make so it feel Exactly, so
4: to, to be real, so to look real. But then, oh. So half of my job is more kind of program. You do visual programming and you set in the fractals and set up and the other half is you paint in Photoshop and, and you do the fonts and you do heraldry and, and all the other stuff in, here, in, in Illustrator or Photoshop. So half of it is artistic and the other more is kind of programmable, technical stuff.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like the idea of like mm-hmm. taking like, a, I mean, I, I've done this one trying to come up with names for my campaign. You do those yep. fantasy name mm-hmm. generators, yep. and yeah, they're, yeah. they're not awesome, the yep. output, but mm-hmm. then you tweak a yep. syllable mm-hmm. here or yep. there, Be- that's and it the ends up being principle. like, oh, that's yep. a name that I could get yep. behind, just and just it sounds yeah, like this one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's what yep. I do. And I, I, and b- and between each letter is yep. an apostrophe. It's like it's a dragon in D&D. You
1: more consonants. That's the same More consonants is better.
0: I also love, I don't know if that there's that throwaway joke in the pilot of Arrested Development, where what the the, the uh, I forget the name of the character, but he took a class in map making, oh, yes. and he's like, "I'm pretty sure the blue is the land." Yeah, oh. and that, I just <laughs> had to get that in there somewhere because that makes me feel like, oh my god, you just mapped
4: this entire ocean. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's all these trade routes through it yeah. and everything. Yeah. And, and it's also my job doing the map is to fill in the blanks that, that yeah. left out in the story. That that connects. It's the in-between areas that are that I need to concentrate. The, the, right. the writers and stuff they write all the whole chapter about that little place, and then they write another p- number of paragraphs on that place over there. But it's my job to kind of fill in what's in between. Yeah. So your work, I work actually more on the in-between areas than yeah. the areas that that are written about most of the text. And you're like the
0: perfect writing prompt for, for Wolfgang, right? Because yeah. you're yeah. like, hey, what happened in between here? And you're like, yeah. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And then you just start writing. Yeah. 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 It's Absolutely. like, oh, look, there's a pass. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What is the story behind
4: yeah. this pass? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes some of the artifacts that end up on a map actually end up oh, in yeah. the... the oh, uh, great story. sometimes.
3: Yeah. Uh, there was some programming artifact mm. on the Southlands yeah. map...
4: And, that was modeled. Its great peaks of the terrain yeah. just stuck up five miles up in the air. So is, I mean, oh wow. I, normally I would filter them out and being yeah. weird artifacts that not supposed to be there. But I see, but Anna, it's, it's, kind of it's cool.
3: fantastic! Look, yeah. it's a five mile tall peak of yeah. Sauron like mm-hmm. evil. Yep. Yeah.
4: <laughs> let's keep it. <laughs> yeah, yep. So we kept them. Yeah. Yep. So there's a bunch of them here and there. There's a number, a few of them here and there, spread out right. over the Southlands and, and others. And so, yep. and
3: that way, the map kind of drove the setting to That's like, well, way. let's tell the story of the peak. Oh, yep. all right. So it
4: became a soundbar, I think, at the end. It did. Yep. It did. Oh, cool. Yep. I love that stuff. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. So, where can people find out more about? Uh, let's start with Midgard. Where uh, you mentioned uh, well, it a couple times, but d- sure. Uh, the Midgard campaign setting is.
3: Available for sale at your local hobby store. Uh, it is available at koboldpress.com. The Hero's Handbook is the crunchy one. The World Book is the GM's Guide, DM's Guide. Oh, yeah, gotta oh my You got to flip through God. that thing. Yeah, was yep. a lot of heraldry. Yeah, it's just not big enough. I know. <laughs> it's merely 450 pages. That's it? Yeah, yep. I you know. The treason and other signatures, poster map bound in, and all that crunchy goodness for oh void magic and blood magic and red portal, portal magic, magic. Yeah, red portal. All that's in the back. That's in the world book because we don't want players to get their filthy little eyes on it. <laughs> <laughs> and you
0: shan't be playing it, right? So there is
3: <laughs> there is a crunchy section for the dungeon master in the in the Midgard workbook and it's all the villain stuff um, and the artifacts and magic items that are not everyday uh, so there's, there's that. Good How stuff? many
1: writers worked on that book?
3: Oh my goodness um, I want to I wanna guess eight there's a map like two main writers and six I'm exhausted take over kind of writers right? Yeah. We, we did it by chapters uh, and then some of the crunch came from various hands, and we even had two editors on it. Yeah,
1: so. to, only two editors?
3: Yeah, only two. It almost killed one of them. I know. <laughs> we dragged her from the battlefield. Michelle, you got it you just a little further. Oh We're almost God. depressed. Well, projects like this, I mean, it's six years since the last time we printed the Midgard World Book, and we added 150 pages this time and a bunch of art and rewrote big chunks of it and advanced the timeline a little, not a
0: ton. You guys weren't happy with nine hells, so you went with 11 hells. We went with 11.
3: because oh, it's, it's too much. goes to Ours to goes 11. to 11. Two
0: <laughs> <laughs> Was that, Was that where that came from? <laughs> it was just, yes, it was deliberate. Okay, okay. I love <laughs> it even I'll more. I'll cop to it. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to go up it's, two, know, more. It's it's good, go two more. more. <laughs> it's two more. It's two more. It's that much worse. It's that, it's that much, much worse you don't layers. want to go to these yep. hells. <laughs> Why don't
1: you just make nine more hellish?
0: Well, no. Because... More. <laughs> go <to Yeah>. 11. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a fantastic piece of work. It's it, very—it's uh,
3: getting a lot of play, and it's getting um, a bunch of people interested in a setting that you know was produced for the first time just six years ago. It's a brand new campaign setting for D&D. How often does that happen?
1: Yeah. How much did the maps change in the six years?
3: <sighs> well, we had a completely different cartographer on the yeah. first edition. Mm-hmm. So I would say they've changed a lot. <laughs>
1: But did you but change, did you say, like, In terms you know what? of the
3: borders? Well, there's a
4: new
3: area. Or new never, land? Yeah. Oh, it expanded yes. it
4: vastly from the first time.
3: In the north, in particular, like, the Kingdom of the Ogres wasn't really on the map the first time around. The Thursreich is, like, yeah, it wasn't there. Um, a bunch of the stuff off to the east, the Red Wastes and other really nasty, horrible void and blood magic kingdoms. Places where players should never go unless the Game Master forces them to. <laughs> um those got added. And all the stuff that happened in the adventures we published over the last six years, some of it is like hinted at, like, we're not sure whether you ran this or not, so we're not going to give it all away. Um, but other stuff just got embodied wholesale. It's like, okay, this is canon now. We're moving forward yeah. with that. Um, Very cool. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot changes in six years. So interesting. Yeah. And I was fascinated to find out that the, the last campaign, the last new campaign setting that Wizards published is... More than six years ago. You got to, like, that's true. got to right? do a new one, a fresh whole cloth campaign setting. Gosh, that's such a, a big undertaking. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I, I encourage you. I think you have a secret <laughs> plot somewhere, like, yep. just down the hall here. Mm-hmm. They're busy cooking up the new
0: thing. Yeah, we got lots of secrets. We got lots of plots. Lots of cooks in the kitchen. I know. Making things happen. Yep. So
3: you're going to have to watch me on my way out of the building because I'm going to be snooping.
0: Yeah. Yep. We're watching this. Po- <laughs> pull your pockets out. <laughs> All those bags of stuff <laughs> that you guys brought in have have might be with filled with other right? stuff. So, right. right. Yeah uh, see by camera. Anna, it was super fascinating to learn more about the maps and things like that. You mentioned the Patreon. Where can people mm-hmm. find out more about what you do and maybe take that class?
4: Yeah, they, they can go to my Patreon at, uh, at patreon.com forward slash Anna B. Meyer, or they can go to my website, ghmaps.net. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Ghmaps, right,
3: very smart. I'm
0: going to take that class and or yeah. uh, petition to join your next campaign uh, so that uh, we can yep. make a simulationist uh, mm-hmm. uh, take on the world and yep. uh, blow it all up. And then maybe combine this with Matthew Coville's uh, mm-hmm. work on uh, oh, strongholds, strongholds. Like, and putting that all very together. Interesting. Uh, very interesting. Very, smart. very very interesting. Yep. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Yep. Well, thanks so much for coming down, uh, thank you guys. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Sweet.
1: Fascinating as usual. As
3: always. Maybe we didn't even get to talk about squirrels. Mm-hmm. No, we There's do a squirrel. Fat raccoons. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we did talk about squirrels earlier. We said, squirrel Ryan, Ryan squirrely. Calls you squirrely.
0: <laughs> that counts mm-hmm. that counts as our wildlife conversation. Oh, I love that interview. I'm so glad uh that uh Anna and Wolfgang were able to come. me too. they lightened up my life.
1: I lift them up, they lift me up.
0: Where we belong, We
1: belong in those maps. I They're belong that beautiful
0: on eagles wings. Where do you belong?
1: Where the eagles fly. <laughs> On a mountain high.
0: that's. See, you are very good at rhyming.
1: I think that's actually the song.
0: <laughs> you Tucker could have just gone with it. Just go it. with it. Yep. Yep.
1: In the blue, blue sky. That is up to... So actually, you want to hear some of my original poetry?
0: Yeah. I remember. Poetry slam. Seventh fam.
1: grade, we had to do poetry. Are yep. you ready? I'm ready. <clears throat>
0: Wait a minute. Oh,
1: crap. God, I know this. And now I feel like I'm too
0: nervous. You're not nervous. Don't worry about
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember it. How can I not remember oh, this? Oh, just like
0: in 7th grade when you were in front of the class I and
1: took a walk. Oh, okay, got. It. I took a walk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so good. Oh, it's a comedy poem.
1: I took a walk down by the sea. No one was there. Only me. <laughs> the waves rolled in again and again. The ocean looked like it had no end. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> ah, is
0: that good? I'm it all true statements. great, baby. All true statements. It looks like the ocean has no end. Right. Uh, you were in landlocked uh, upstate New upstate York. Upstate New
1: York. <laughs> <laughs> I must have like read an encyclopedia. <laughs> what is the ocean? I read
0: Voyage of the Dawn trailer, <laughs> so I know about open seas that go on forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I know. So So
0: let's just put that to, to music. I feel like and we can
1: work that into the d music. musical. Into the d musical. All right,
0: let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yes. And we're going to have to have... could be about uh, the Sword Coast. Yeah. All right, we'll do it. Okay. We're going to have music playing in the background. I think it'll be fun.
1: Ryan, do you have a, did that inspire you to create some cool music to my poem?
0: I'm going to go home and journal. <laughs> yeah, journal. Do some morning oh, pages. Yeah,
1: you know. Look I've at my got, dream
0: journal because there's tons of rhyming couplets in there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that could inspire so much.
0: <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot.
1: I will start bringing in some of my journals.
0: Let's start. That's a new segment. We'll just have Shelley reading journals.
1: Have you ever like mortified? Yeah, yeah.
0: And mortification. Oh,
1: I have my um, my diary from when I was ten, and it's just so sad.
0: That's good content. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. All right. We'll start doing it at the end of the end for our outro. Since we do we, have, we don't know oh, how to you wrap this up.
1: You're sensitive. You probably have done.
0: I did, but not not enough. It was always like a guilt thing. I was like, oh, I should be doing this because I'm a quote unquote writer. Uh, right. And, I, know and that, I,
1: I just wanted to be angsty.
0: Yeah. Because I right. felt
1: like in order to be a good writer, like you have to have a lot of angst. That's so not I,
0: true, is it? I hope not. I hope not. Because like
1: when you hear it, you're like, oh, that was part of my that's problem. That's what you're.
0: Were... I was always so happy.
1: Yeah, I was, Yeah, I blame my parents. Yeah, as you should. They were just
0: too good. They, they were too good of parents.
1: Too happy of a childhood. Right.
0: Um, so uh, anything else? Speaking of uh, of bringing things to fruition, uh, do you have any games you want to talk about real quick? Yeah. Uh, just, uh, Access and Allies and Zombies.
1: Access and Allies and Zombies. When's that coming out? October twenty sixth, right before Halloween.
0: And Betrayal Legacy.
1: Betrayal Legacy. Such a beautiful game. Also, November
0: 9th. November 9th. Did Someone, you see we got first? It's off the same the lines? day that Dungeon of the Mad Mage is coming out.
1: No, you said. Is it? Yeah. No. Wait, no. You said November second.
0: Oh, uh, you might be right. It is I, the week before. Not. It oh, is okay. the week before. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, so. It's November thirteenth everywhere.
1: Okay. Well. Okay. Makes sense, right? Totally.
0: Um, and, then, and
1: then something else that we haven't announced yet. I fear that Nathan's just going to say something.
0: Well don't give him the ammunition. I for don't him.
1: you know what he like took stuff off my desk yesterday and like ran off and then apparently like photographed it. Does he have a, a fireside chat coming
0: up? Oh yeah, probably.
1: He just takes
0: next stuff. month. Next month. Okay. He does. He's a very good spoiler spoiler kid.
1: Really good spoiler. Yeah. And good we can't stuff. really stop him.
0: <laughs> it's true. He runs the show, yeah. uh, But not this show because we need to close it out. So, what? Uh, uh, where can people ask you about what's going on in the Avalon Hill world? Well,
1: you can follow Avalon Hill on Twitter at Avalon Hill Two, the number two, nice. or you can follow me at, at ShellyMoo. Great. I'll tell you everything you ever wanted to know.
0: You can follow me at Greg Tito. Thank you for subscribing and loving this Dragon Talk show. Had, again, we had Origins uh, in Columbus last month. We had so many people come to us and be like, you guys are awesome, know, and, blah, blah, it was... and it felt really weird, but I gave you all high fives, and we love you. So thank you so much. And then I for... got a cold. And then I got a cold. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. I blame the shoe for that, honestly. Oh. Um, But then, yeah, so uh, follow us there If you're interested in finding out about Dungeons & Dragons uh, There is the Dragon Plus app Which has tons of great information about Waterdeep Dragon House Coming out soon uh, As well as going to DungeonsAndDragons.com Or DragonMag.com Where you can get all of that Dragon Plus content We got it going on
1: Got it, got content going on Are we out? We're out!
0: Alright, rocks fall (laughs) Everybody (laughs) fucks